Welcome to Mad Lit Musings, a podcast with Jamie Jo Wright, where we go deeper and ask the tough and dangerous questions. Today's episode is sponsored by Ravel and Bethany House Publishers, which are divisions of Baker Publishing Group. Find out more at bakerpublishinggroup.com. Hey everyone, it's Jamie Jo Wright here at Madlet Musings, and today I have with us Rosanna White. Dun, dun, dun. Can I get you to always introduce me like that? <laughs> I will always introduce you like that. It's Rosanna White. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> you know, that's the hardest thing when you have a podcast is trying to like energetically introduce authors when you feel like you're doing it the same way every single time. So you yes. try to make it memorable and then it just comes out really weird. <laughs> Hey, weird can be memorable. Weird can be memorable. This is true. Lean into it. Go for weird. All right. We're going to lean into it. Leaning. (laughs) (laughs) So, okay. This is cool because you are my publishing house sister. Those are air quotes for people that aren't seeing my fingers if they're listening on Spotify or Apple, iTunes, et cetera. Um, But you are from Bethany House Publishers and you've written way more books than I have, Um, which I think, what are you at now for total? Um, I'm somewhere in the 30s. I keep losing track because I have finished some, so I count those on one hand, but then they're not out yet. So right. it's in the mid 30s. Mid 30s. Yeah. Okay. I'm not going to try and catch up. I just want to say that right now. It's <laughs> not happening. <laughs> oh, fun. But with Bethany House, you write a lot of historical romance um, and with elements of suspense usually tied in. Um, probably stronger on romance though, correct? I would consider them more historical romance, but there's always something suspenseful in there. Yeah. 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 Cause I, I've got readers who are like, Ooh, she writes suspense. And I'm like, does she know she writes suspense? She's pretty sure she doesn't, but <laughs> there has to be a little bit in there, but I don't think it meets the strict definition. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. But you have a lot of avid readers who adore your stories, which is awesome. And you have a new book coming out August 22nd called A Beautiful Disguise. And it's book one of mm-hmm. what, a trilogy? Yes. Yeah. Okay. A new series. All right. So I'm going to do the proverbial question that all authors struggle with. What's your book about? <laughs> all right. Well, the series concept is that we have an upper class um, set of siblings, uh, Lady Marigold, who is our first heroine, and her brother Yates. And they discovered when their father died five years before the series begins that they have no money left because he wasted it all on entertainments. So they have to make a living. And without letting society know that their estates are on the brink of bankruptcy. So they start a private investigative firm that they call the Imposters. And they basically are spying on the elite, solving their problems for them with no one knowing who it is. So they think it's actors or something. And they're using the skills they learned from all these entertainers that took up all their money basically um so they you know are using memorization they learned from actors and acrobatics that they learned from the circus troupe and all of this in order to support themselves and the circus family that retired to their estate so it's it's super fun it's full of hijinks and and all of that um so the first book a beautiful disguise does focus on lady marigold who is a fashion icon 
she wears haute couture, which it was at its its beginnings in that era. Mm-hmm. And um, she basically chooses fashions that are just so in your face. No one pays attention to her face. They're too busy looking at her hat sure. or her gown. Mm-hmm. So then um, her best friend can pose as her when she's off doing investigative work just by wearing the hat and appearing at a place. So suddenly Lady M was there because her hat was there. Her hat was so, there. Yep. So she has created this persona to be her disguise. Um, but you know, she's then struggling with no one actually knows me and I did that on purpose, but I also kind of regret it. So that is so fun. fun. That is so fun. I love that. And so we have, it kind of reminds me a little bit of like Miss Scarlet and the Duke meets, and I can't think of what it's called, but it's part of the whole Bridgerton thing where there's that woman undercover that keeps putting out these gossip things, but nobody knows who writes them. Right, the gossip columns. Yeah. 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 that sounds that sounds super fun and then you have um this part obviously interests me because now we're getting a little bit more suspicious but you've got Merritt Livingston who is in the war office intelligence so they're starting yeah in 1909 they decided that um England needed to up their intelligence game because everyone else was miles ahead of them So they decided to combine the police intelligence, the army intelligence, and the Navy intelligence into a new branch that became MI5. So this is like the intelligence 1909, right? MI5? I didn't even know there was an MI5. There is an MI5. That is the domestic version of MI6, which is like, it's like FBI and CIA. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, that was created at that time. And I was like, okay, well, let's just put a hero there. So. I have him at, he's a Coldstream guard, which is the elite of elite military. They're the ones who guard the palace. Okay. So we think of it just as, you know, the changing of the guard, but really they get that position when they have proven that they are the best of the best. So these are like Navy SEALs guarding the palace, right? Like we don't think about that. No, I kind of think of them as like toy soldiers. I mean, it sounds horrible to say, but they're like, like tourist attractions. Right. But no, you don't get that. You're the last line of defense for the monarch. So you are like the best of the best, which is hilarious because we just don't think of it that way. Oh, but no. so he's one of those, but he got pneumonia. So he got removed from the field, okay. put in a desk job, and mm-hmm. that's where he ends up. Um, and so, of course, he then picks up on some suspicious activity and he's trying to root it out and figure out what's going on, but he's still sick. So he calls on the imposters to help him. So oh. that's how, that's how we meet. That's really that's fun. too fun. That's too fun. But and now after learning all that, I kind of want to go to um, England and stand in front of one of those soldiers and be like, I know you can't smile, but I do know that you could snap my neck in 0.5 seconds and just see if I could get them to at least flinch. <laughs> You'd probably get a sparkle in the eye anyway. They'd be like, oh yeah. And they're like, thank you for appreciating my hidden talents. I'm more than this fuzzy black hat. very much very much more that's so cool I didn't realize there was well I guess I'm just dumb I didn't realize there was an MI5 I always you hear MI6 in all the movies I think so yeah because that's what James Bond was yeah so that's what we we, especially as Americans what we hear about yeah but but MI5 and this so it started in right really pre-World War One then yeah 1909 um so there was a huge spy mania at the time where they, everyone was convinced that the Germans were going to invade. They were spying on them. Every, there were a lot of German waiters and stuff at the time. So every German waiter or cabbie, everyone was convinced was out to get them. So there was wow. just this huge spy mania. 
Um, and it was all because of a novelist. I, what? Yeah, there was this novelist named William McHugh who wrote all these best-selling novels, like called, you know, the the Spies of the Kaiser and all this stuff. And they were all about Germany invading England. Um, and they were so convincing that everyone really thought that this is what was happening and that he had inside knowledge. Oh my gosh. And they, like, they published his book in serial form a lot in the newspaper. Yeah. And so the newspapers would use this as a draw for, yeah. you know, publicity. So they would deliberately name the places with the best-selling, like, news articles and stuff um, as this is where they're coming. So they'd sell more papers. <laughs> and it was oh, just my gosh. So the power of fiction, right? Like, but it got so out of hand that all these different government agencies were constantly fielding phone calls and letters from concerned citizens who wanted to report this suspicious activity. And they were like, we, we just, we need something to handle all of this. So that's why they created this whole agency. Uh, yeah, so it's it's totally hilarious. And the really funny thing is it got to the point where the novelist thought he knew more than the government did too. And he was offering them advice. And I'm like, dude, you've made it all No. <laughs> oh my goodness. That's when you know it's really gone to your head as a writer. <laughs> yeah. Here, government, yeah, so... let me tell you how to protect our nation. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So then the question, you know, if we really want to go conspiracy theorist on this is would World War One have ever started without this fiction author? Right. Wow. Right? This, Look this at the power we wield. in my book. Oh, is it really? <laughs> a little bit, a little bit, a little hint of it. I love it. Oh my gosh. Okay. I'm like, yeah, I need this book now because that's... <laughs> too fun I love that wow that is so cool I love that you and that's one of the things that's really fun with your books is you come up with these historical elements in your stories that are not necessarily the paper cut paper cut not the word <laughs> paper cutter cut and paper cookie cutter. <laughs> whatever cookie cutter. I'm like mixing my things okay cookie cutter yeah they're not cookie cutter or paper cuts either one <laughs> they don't hurt and they're not run-of-the-mill <laughs> but they are delicious they are yeah <laughs> all right well that digressed and my point has been lost but anyway you write great stories <laughs> thank you <laughs> oh too much fun okay so this is book one and then you've got two more coming out um, mm -hmm. are they coming out relatively quickly or do we have to wait like a year between each book or no, it there's, there's six to nine months. Um, okay. so the second one I turned in, in January, so it should come out the next January. Mm -hmm. Was it January? It might've been March. I, my, my, I used to be like on this strict schedule right. and they just got pushed a little, a little bit. So the next one will come out the following spring okay. and then the following one, the third one will come out September. Okay. Perfect. Yeah. So it's always nice when you have those types of storylines where you're wanting to really keep up with the characters and you don't have to wait like for three years to get the full the full yep. thing. But and yours my are also are always the sort of standalones where oh, yeah. you know, Lady Marigold is book one and her best friend Gemma is book two and her brother Yates is book three. So we have okay. three separate couples we get to follow because it's all romance, you know. But um, <laughs> yeah, but there will be the, the continuing threads too. Yeah, yeah. So, okay, with A Beautiful Disguise, we've got a really interesting story and all of that, but you're also a Christian author, so you like to wave in elements of, wave in, wow, my words are not working today. You're waving at your book as you write it. You like to weave in 
faith elements and such. So when you wrote A Beautiful Imposter, did you have something specific in mind or were you just incorporating faith as a whole in the in the story? Um, in this case, both of my main characters are believers already. So it's more about deepening faith. And um, a theme I come back to a lot is knowing your true identity, which you can only know through Christ. Mm. So with somebody who her disguise is so central to who she is. She really has to sort out where the disguise ends and why she chose the one she did and, you know, where the true marigold begins and how to be vulnerable and who to let in. Um, and these are things that I think we all deal with yeah. today. I mean, especially in this world of social media where mm -hmm. we choose our mask and we wear it. And, yes. You know, which one did we choose and why is that what we decide to portray? Mm -hmm. How often do we get lost behind the mask or see other people's mask and think it's really them? Right. And, you know, yeah. just a hundred years ago, it may have looked a little different, but it's something that I think people have always had to deal with. Um, so on that, we had that on one side, on her side, and um, Sir Merritt is dealing with a lot of questions of nobility. And um, he received a knighthood actually rescuing missionaries in the Boxer Rebellion in China. So he is still a good friend with a missionary and, you know, has... Um, his advice always ringing in his head, but is also trying to find his own place here and seek the noble, seek the good, but do it in a way that is, you know, honoring God and family and nation and all that good stuff. Yeah. And that's always one of those things too, when you involve um, spies and faith, it's always that interesting conundrum too, of where's the line and, and all that yeah, deceit. Right. And, and <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, and that's, yeah, there, sorry, Marigold and her brother Yates are always very much like, we're searching for truth. That's what we're doing. We're trying to find the truth for people. Sometimes it's ugly, yeah, but it's still the truth. Right. Um, and, you know, at one point her brother Yates says, the truth may not always be pretty, but I like to think it's always beautiful. And she's like, should I stitch that on a sampler for you? And, you know, like, yeah, please do. So you yeah. should they're, get... they're very aware of the dilemma and right. try to keep that in mind at all times. Yeah, exactly. That should be a um, fan t-shirt that you make. I put that on a t-shirt. That'd be a great slogan. I'd wear it. <laughs> well, I do some t-shirts that tie in with my book. So oh, now we know which one to do for this one. There we go. We got it. We got it. I love that. But yeah, you know, it's interesting when you think about faith and identity um, and that, you know, in this situation that's it's back in 1909 with, with spies and you know all of that but then today we have like you said social media and such um and one of the things that i think is is i don't want to say funny but it's interesting when you talk to people who have been on social media for a long time and they've adopted a specific identity then it's the trial of having to maintain yeah. that identity and i know before we went on and we started to record you were talking about how Marigold has does a few things that kind of help her create an identity and then she has to maintain it right yes yes and how exhausting that can be yeah <laughs> yeah so why do you think okay let me ask this question I'll pick your brain why do you think we as individuals especially within our faith and our spirituality pick a specific identity that we think other people want us to have versus being who God has created us to be. Yeah, I think a lot of it is we just we have this idea that once especially once we are Christians, we need to be perfect. Mm. We're told to be perfect, mm -hmm. but we fail to realize that part of our perfection is our imperfection, that it's God being perfect through us, not right. us. 
right. be perfect. And I, it's it's especially a problem in Western culture, honestly, in Europe and in America, we put this emphasis on how we look and mm-hmm. and maintaining this facade and not letting people see our vulnerabilities and um and, and our weaknesses. And this is not the case in a lot of other countries. Um, we have friends who were missionaries in Bulgaria. And they, you know, they said in these communities, they worked in the gypsy communities. They're like, there are no secrets. Everyone mm-hmm. knows your faults. Everyone knows your flaws. You don't try to hide them because there's no point in trying to hide them. And because of that, they have a very authentic faith because mm-hmm. there's no, there's no trying to show people that I'm, I'm better than I really am. Um, you just are who you are. And it's like, I, whenever they told me about that, I was like, man, you know, like I, I really admire this. Yeah. Even as I recognize that I'm not going to get on social media and complain every time I have a headache, I'm not going to get on social media and complain every time I have a disagreement with someone like that's not who I want to be. Right. So I think a lot of who we choose to show the world is who we want to be. Mm-hmm. But the difference between who we want to be and who we really are can be very burdensome. Yeah. And I think that's what we all struggle with is, and I, you know, we, we joke that we as authors would love to be millionaires with oh, living right. on the mansion on the hill, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, we're not. Yeah. We have this image in our head of what the ideal would be. And, and that goes for all parts of life. We have an image of what perfect parenthood would be right. or what perfect spousal relationship is or what a, you know, what a perfect neighbor relationship is. And reality never, never matches what we want it to be. And that just leaves us with all of these things to deal with. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's so true. And and you think about the concept of being more transparent with your, not necessarily with your life, but just even your secret, your the things that we struggle with and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. It seems almost ridiculous to be transparent with it, even within the Christian or church community. Like we're supposed to Which lean on one especially, another. Especially within yeah. you, you find problems and yeah. 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 And, then, and I think that that, that, that just makes the problem worse. Then you're more, less right. authentic and less authentic. And right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I had a Sunday school teacher when I was um, in, I think I was middle school, maybe it was high school, but anyway, he would always, he'd be walking down the hall. You know how you pass people in church and he would, you know, hi, how are you? Oh, I'm fine. I'm fine. And if you ever answered, I'm fine, I'm fine. He would stop and he'd look at you and go, okay, I asked you, how are you? I would like an authentic answer. If you are truly fine, say it like you mean it. Otherwise, tell me how I can pray for you. And I was like, I mean, as a middle schooler, you're like, you're a scary man. You're a very scary man. But as an adult, I look back and I'm like, wow, I don't really ask that question with the intent of really getting an honest answer. Right. Yeah. And if you give an honest answer, people don't know what to do with it. No like- what? My husband tried that at church a couple of years ago. Someone said, oh, how business, how's business going? He went, actually really bad. And they went, oh, and walked away. And it was like, you could have asked me what's wrong, how you can no. pray for me. They just don't know how to deal no. with authentic answers a lot of times. Yeah, yeah, you're so right. And, and we, we've come up with these these pat expected answers to those questions as a mm-hmm. facade, really. Yeah, to exactly. cover. Yeah, yeah. And then you do get that one person you ask, and then not only do they answer your question, but you you learn everything about them from the moment they were born to <laughs> the moment that they're standing in front of you. And you're like, well, that's more than I asked. That's more yeah, than I asked. Yeah. Finding a balance is always great. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. This is true.
Are you enjoying today's broadcast with our featured author? You can find out more about them and other authors from Baker Publishing Group at bakerbookhouse.com. Use code MADLIT40 for 40% off any one Baker Publishing Group title at bakerbookhouse.com. This also includes Ravel and Bethany House Publishing. Go over fast. It's MADLIT40. That's your magic code for 40% off any one Baker Publishing Group title. So how do you think grace plays into the concept then of um, identity and when, okay, so you and I meet in the hallway at church, you ask me how I am and I say, you know what, right now I'm really struggling with some things and it's not a really great time in my life. Where does grace and kindness and care come into play as the person who's hearing that? What do we do to help or do we help? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think this is where empathy is such a huge thing where, you know, we are called to grieve when our brothers and sisters in Christ are grieving. We're called to rejoice when they're rejoicing. And both of these things can be hard when we're not in the same season. Yeah. Um, so I think one of the one of the challenges that I think we all need to kind of embrace is realizing that we're called to walk where they're walking mm. in that moment. If somebody is authentic with you, you need to be authentic with them. And you need to say, oh, you know what? Maybe you've been there, maybe you haven't. If you have, you can just say, I totally get it. You know, let me pray with you. Let me pray for you. How can I pray for you? Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's just enough to see them. Um, I I actually was writing on this. The blog is not out as of when we're doing this. Um, But that sometimes just being seen is all it takes to make someone feel better. And I used the a, a story from when I was in grade school and I was sick one day and I, you know, rather than playing at recess, I sat at my desk and put my head down and my teacher's like, honey, what's wrong? And touched my forehead. And she's like, oh man, you have a fever. You need to go call your mom. And I called my mom and she's like, what's wrong? And I just started crying. And it's not oh. like it was that big a deal, right? Like it's just, it was just the flu. It was, right. I got better in a few days, but having that teacher see me and having my mother see me and come and get me was all it took to just break through the walls of you have to suck it up and be good right. and realize I can just be who yeah. who I am and in the place I am right now. And I'm going to be loved for it. Yeah. And I'm going to be loved through it. And I think that's what we all need mm-hmm. in all moments of life. So if someone says, I'm really having a hard day, maybe you just give them a hug yeah. and you say, I am so sorry you're going through this right now. How can I help? Or if I can't help, just know I'm here. I'm I'm right here. And that is often all we need. Like yeah. I know, speaking personally, I'm not expecting anyone to solve my problems. I just need people to recognize that I'm having one. <laughs> and that's all. <laughs> you know, that's actually really profound though, because, you know, we're talking about when you when somebody actually answers the question of how are you and they answer it honestly, there's that awkwardness potential. But then I think we're also in a culture where we feel we need to fix things. Yeah. And so if we can't fix, then we're suddenly awkward and there's that middle ground that's completely lost which is the wow let me pray with you or let me hug you or just know hey I'm here if you need me to go grocery shopping yeah 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 wow that's good I like that well now I'm going to start asking that question and and then holding my breath to see what if I get any I don't know hey everybody listening if people ask you how you are with tact and patience answer honestly let's do that start making that a practice I think it's good. <laughs> okay, so that we'll, we've kind of gone off the road a little bit from spies to being 
um, caring and empathetic people with hidden totally identities. Totally relevant to the story. It's completely it relevant. I promise it fits. This was so planned by Rosanna, this deep, deep, <laughs> deep thought process that now you're going to get emails when they read the book going, oh, I totally see what you mean. You're really like, really? I did that, but thank you. <laughs> yep. Yep. Hey, sometimes God puts messages in what we write just for that one person. We didn't know it was there. That's this a is true. This is That's true. the beauty of art. It is. It really is. And I do, I do love that about fiction too, because there are times that people will draw something from it and you're like, oh, well, that's awesome. I didn't know God had that little nugget in there, but that's great. <laughs> yep. There was a quote in an interview with a screenwriter Yeah, and someone said, is, is this, this? And he went, no, but that's much better. It is now. Now that's perfect. <laughs> that's like, perfect. I love it. <laughs> I love that. Yep. That's perfect. That's perfect. Okay. So your book releases um, A Beautiful Disguise. It's book one in the Imposters trilogy. It releases August of 2023. And um, you also have quite the website. This is not a place to just breeze through. So tell readers how to get in contact with you, what you offer. There's just a lot of stuff that you offer readers. Yeah. So my, my thing is that my website is my world and I want you to enjoy it with me. So if you go to my website, you'll get the normal things like sign up for my newsletter. I do send out a weekly newsletter. You'll get all my blogs, some exclusive newsletter content, the opportunity to get sneak peeks of all my books. I send the first 30 pages out prior to release. Um, but I also have a shop where you can buy signed books. You can buy tie-in merchandise. I do have t-shirts for all my books. Well, not all of them, but many of my books that have fun quotes from the book on them um, or just tie-in stuff. I have jewelry that goes along with the books. Um, lots of lots of super fun things because, yeah, in our family, a big joke is every time you hear a good one-liner, we say t-shirt. Yes. So naturally, this eventually actually resulted in t-shirts, tote bags, all this stuff. Um, I've also started doing landing pages for all my books. Um, the one for the imposters is actually the first one I came up with. So it's it's a work in progress right now, but by the time the book releases, it should hopefully be in its full form. So if you go to rosannamwhite.com slash imposters, it will deliver you to this page where there is Lady M's fabulous and frugal fashion column. And um, some history of spies and history of the theater. And uh, one of my characters is an architect. So he's going to take you on a tour through the neighborhood and show you all the cool manor houses and um, all that fun stuff. So you'll get to meet the characters. I did character photos and you can, you know, see them and see what they look like. And uh, yeah, it, it's it's going to be a lot of fun. So that's kind of what my website is all about is to draw you into my world <laughs> where I will never let you go. <laughs> that's, that's fine. I like that. And I'm looking at your t-shirts right now and yeah, you've got some fun quotes on here. Overthinkers Anonymous. That's a good one. I like that. And a beach in a book. There's a lot of people that will relate to that. So oh, yeah, you've got some fun ones on here. Like yeah, and some of them are just generally bookish and some of them are specific to my novels, but mm -hmm try to have a little something for everyone <laughs> you have a wolf t-shirt is that for dog lovers it, it's actually well i have some people ordering it for that but um in oh, on wings breakers. of devotion um the code breakers she says i don't need a guard dog and he says wolf <laughs> and um throughout the book every time he's following her and she's trying to dismiss him he says wolf so that's yeah that's i love it that i love it yeah. and if you read the if you read the um 
the description of it says where the love forever cool people will understand or else you'll get to explain it to them so you're cool and you just got to explain it that's awesome (laughs) oh so yeah everybody wants to go to rosannamwhite.com and plan some time because you're going to spend some time on that website for sure yeah yes you will awesome rosanna this has been a blast having you Thank you so it's much. It's been so much fun being here. Thanks for having me. Yeah. And um, hopefully we'll have you back when we get to talk about more fun, spyish romance, historical thingies. I am happy to come back anytime. And as my fun little bio says, spies and war always make their way into my books. So <laughs> always fun things to talk about. Sounds good to me. Well, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to Mad Lit Musings. You can find out more information about Mad Lit and all that it has to offer at madlitmentoring.com. That's madlitmentoring.com. Or check out more about Jamie Jo Wright at jamiewrightbooks.com.